Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones, back here today as Purdue has won four games in a row after a 43-37 victory over Nebraska on Saturday night in Ross-Aid Stadium. Going to break down the game here today with some thoughts, some takeaways, and look a little bit at where Purdue is as they remain in a tie for the lead in the Big Ten West. Purdue got it done on Saturday. It wasn't wasn't the prettiest game. It was a little bit different than what Purdue had kind of used as its template in the last few games. Uh, a very different game than what Purdue has played a lot this year. So, you know, Purdue got off to a good start in this game. It got up 10 nothing, and at that point, you almost wondered if Purdue could just bury him. If you could get a team with an interim head coach, with plenty of internal turmoil, if you could just get them to fold. And you do have to give some credit to Nebraska here. You know, interim coach situations are always different. And no two interim coach situations are the same. You know, Purdue now preps for another one against Wisconsin. And it's a much different situation than what's going on at Nebraska right now. But you've seen it two weeks in a row now with Nebraska where they get down early, get down double digits early, and they claw back. They play hard. They, they're, a, they're a pesky little group. You know, they're not great. Their their defense is abysmal, but you know they fought back hard and they gave Purdue all that Purdue could handle. Credit to Purdue, though, that's a game where they've found ways to lose. Purdue has seen leads evaporate. Purdue has had a chance to put the game away by extending drives and getting first downs and not done it. Purdue was finally able to do that, getting the ball back with with what, over five and a half minutes to go or so? 5.55 to go. And Purdue's able to end the game. Uh, that's impressive. 12-play, 53-yard drive. O'Connell has the scramble on fourth and one to extend it and put it away. That's impressive. And I think one of the most impressive parts of today's game, yesterday's game, was how different it was for Purdue. The last two weeks, the offense had really not been great. Now, Aiden O'Connell coming back from injury, didn't know how healthy he was for Minnesota, and weren't really sure how healthy he was against Maryland. He looked really good yesterday. With the exception of the interception on the first drive, which was just an ill-advised throw, uh, to say the least, he was money. Uh, 65% completion, 391, four touchdowns, the interception. That's a really good day. Charlie Jones was excellent. Uh, he had over 130 yards receiving. TJ Sheffield had himself a nice day. Purdue's passing offense looked really good. And that's not even to add on that the story of the game was Devin Mockaby, if you ask me. You know, you look at this guy who at the start of the season, was your number four running back. Before that Indiana State game, it seemed like he was behind Kobe Lewis on the depth chart. And now Purdue is 
down Dylan Downing. King Doru came back, but only saw eight carries. Maccabi carried the ball 30 times, had 178 yards, a touchdown. When's the last time a Purdue player carried the ball 30 times in a game? Uh, it feels like it's been forever. I couldn't tell you the last time. That's remarkable. 178 yards. That's a number we haven't seen from a Purdue running back in some serious time. Devin Maccabee was incredible. And he set the tone right away. His first carry of the game, he picks up a first down, lowers his shoulder, and fights for another yard or two. That's impressive. That's, you know, he's an interesting guy because he's quicker than what Purdue has at its other running backs. But even though he's a little bit thinner and a little bit slimmer, man, he doesn't shy away from contact at all. He's a guy who's really easy to root for. He's a guy who has been a revelation for Purdue's run game. And he's a guy that, you know, is a redshirt freshman. You look at as someone who you project to be a contributor for a long time. Incredible performance for him. And don't look past what he's done in the past game as well. You know, he only had two catches, 28 yards, but Jeff Brown mentioned after the FAU game when he had a few receptions that Maccabee's strength was not catching the ball. They weren't all that comfortable with him going out to catch the ball. Well, he's done a pretty good job of it. He's done a really nice job. So he's been fantastic for Purdue. You could not have ever dreamed of getting this much production out of him this season. He's been awesome. It was good to see King Daru get back out there. I didn't I didn't think he would play. It didn't sound all that optimistic that King Daru would play, but you have to give him credit for getting out back out there, fighting through some stuff. Uh, eight carries, 31 yards, had that big reception down the west sideline at Rossade Stadium. He had a nice game. I thought as a whole, you know, Purdue ran the ball for 217 yards. That is incredible. Uh, that's something that you you don't expect to see from Purdue. They, they've been so poor at running the ball at times. Uh, a little bit this year, but just over the past four years as a whole. That to see them get to 217, and I know Nebraska's defense isn't that good. I mean, it's clear as day. You watch them, and they are... They're undisciplined, they aren't tough, they're not a very good defense, but you can only play who's on the other side, and Purdue did what they needed to do. That's a whole lot of offense for Purdue in this game, uh, where 608 yards of total offense, uh, that's that's a lot of yardage. That's a really big game, uh, really good stuff there. I thought it was interesting as well. You know, we've always talked about how the receivers have shaken out this year. I do think you're seeing TJ Sheffield as that number two guy. But man, you I mean, Andrew Sawinski is getting out there, have four catches. Uh, I didn't, did not have that on my radar at the start of the season. Uh, Mershon Rice didn't have much going on to follow up his good performance last week. We saw a little bit more Abdul Rahman Yassin, but man, he had a drop that could have been a killer for Purdue on that last series when they just had to move the chains. 
I think it was a second and 11 play where O'Connell hits Yasin in the hands on a slant. And it wouldn't have been a first down probably, but it would have made that a much more manageable uh, situation than third and 11. Although Purdue ended up getting the first down, uh, that was a big drop from Yasin. So uh, tough getting back into the rhythm, maybe. Uh, Tyrone Tracy had a drop as well. I don't, I guess I'm not seeing it attributed as a drop in the stats here, but he certainly had one that should have been caught. All in all, for Purdue's offense, uh, 43 points, 600 yards of offense, you take away that first interception that should have at least been a field goal, and man, you know, that that's a heck of a performance from your offense. A fantastic day for them when, for the most part, they'd struggled to have fantastic days for the bulk of this season. It was interesting a little bit. You know, we've talked so much on this podcast throughout the season about Mitchell Finneran. And man, it's just, it's becoming clearer and clearer what we've said all along that inside of 40 yards, he's very reliable. Outside of 40, you're seeing why Purdue didn't send him out outside of 40 much last year at all. He only went it, he only attempted one kick outside of 40 yards. You know, on the season now, uh, he's not not been great from outside 40 yards, and he's not in a situation where he's, you know, getting sent out there from 50 or anything. Um, you know, he's in pretty manageable territory. He's two for five from outside 40 yards. He's perfect from inside 40. Tells you all you need to know. He did miss another extra point that wasn't ideal. Uh, but, you know, as far as the game goes, it is interesting to see how Purdue manages things when they get in those situations where you have to make a decision. And right now you're seeing that it's a pretty big gamble to send him out there from 40 plus something to monitor moving forward. But what made this game so interesting was that you look at how Purdue has won and it's been its defense the defense has been really good. And yesterday, it just wasn't. Now, they did do a really good job on Anthony Grant, the Nebraska running back, who had put up some really big numbers on the season. 11 carries for 35 yards, along of nine. Shut him down. That's a really nice job there. But man, did Nebraska torch Purdue through the air. Trey Palmer, their receiver, Trey Palmer, Seven catches for 237 and two touchdowns. He also had a 60-yard carry on an end around. Um, I think Purdue might have missed Chris Jefferson on the back end a little bit more than I would have estimated because Purdue plays a lot of single high and they'll play some cover too, but man, their safeties just were not in position to help Jamari Brown on Trey Palmer at all. A number of big plays given up. That was, that hurt. Purdue really got killed in the deep game quite a bit. Uh, Martin had a big deep ball catch. Uh, one to Vokalek as well. I mean, Purdue got beat deep a lot in this game. And, you know, it's not, it's hard to say it's the biggest end of the world deal because how many more quarterbacks 
is Purdue going to play that can kill you deep? Mertz, we'll see. Petrus, God, no. Holinsky, God, no. DeVito and Basilak, eh, maybe. But, you know, you're not you're not dealing with a lot of great quarterbacks here. And while Casey Thompson isn't a great quarterback, he does have the ability to throw the ball downfield pretty well. And he really exposed Purdue in that area. Uh, he, you know, for he had a game of what he is. He made some really good throws. He made a couple of really bad throws. Both of his interceptions, not good throws at all. He had a pass that he had two guys open in the end zone and overthrew the second option. Uh, that should have been a touchdown instead of a field goal. And Purdue was able to force Nebraska to settle for a couple of field goals when they very really could have scored a touchdown. You'll take it. Uh, that, that could have been the difference in this game. Now, Purdue was moving the ball however it wanted on offense. I don't, I don't think Purdue was going to lose this game. But, man, they messed around a little bit too much. I thought the defense did a nice job of getting to the passer. Purdue got to Casey Thompson four times for sacks. That was really nice. Um, you know, they got Jalen Graham had a, a forced fumble on a strip sack. That was really nice. Uh, two interceptions, nice play by uh, Clyde Washington, dropped back and uh, read Casey Thompson's eyes and picked one off over the middle. Uh, Reese Taylor got one as well on an underthrown ball. So you got to be opportunistic. And if you can eliminate the big plays a little bit, man, you're in you're in a really good spot. I don't think it was the end of the world for of a game, but I think you do want to get Chris Jefferson back out there. I think you'd like to get OC Brothers out there. A couple of different situations, of course, with Jefferson dealing with some personal stuff based off what he has said on Twitter. Uh, OC Brothers battling some injury a little bit. You'd like to get as close to full strength as possible. Pushing 500 yards of offense for Nebraska, really not great. Uh, granted, you know, 300 of those were Trey Palmer. That's pretty nuts. Purdue won't see a receiver like him the rest of this season. I I knew he was someone to keep an eye on. I didn't see that happening. I didn't see Purdue being that poor in coverage. Uh, I mean, Nebraska, per completion, and I know it's not a good stat, but per completion, they averaged 22 yards. Uh, now, I know yards per attempt is a better stat, but my goodness. That's pretty nuts. I, Purdue did a nice job of not being penalized. Neither team really committed much in terms of penalties, but you look at the stats that are so critical. Purdue went 9 of 18 on third down. That's really good. Converting nine third downs is awesome, and Purdue converted two fourth downs. So in those situations, Purdue essentially was 11 of 18 on getting that first down, Really nice job. That That's fantastic. Uh, it was funny, you know, there was that BTN video that was going around where all the coaches said what the overrated stat was. And all of the attention, of course, went to Kirk Ferentz saying total offensive yards. But what Jeff Brom said was time of possession. I agree to some extent, but Purdue had the ball for 42 minutes in this game. That's a big deal. 
And of course, it helps when you're able to run the ball. That's why Purdue tends to struggle with time of possession because they don't do a great job of running the ball and extending drives. But that's incredible. They did a really nice job on offense of just staying out there and wearing down that Nebraska defense. Purdue only punted the ball twice. Uh, You couldn't ask for much more from that offense. Just really, really good stuff. Defense, man, just as a whole, you really wish Purdue could have gotten in a position where they could have just buried them a little bit. They make these games difficult on themselves. Uh, I guess it is what it is, right? It's hard to complain. Purdue is now 5-2. and two. They've won four games in a row. You know, I just think back, and I tweeted it Friday morning. When fans were filing out of Rossade Stadium after a 28-26 win over Florida Atlantic, you really didn't have much of a reason to feel great about this team. You didn't know about Aiden O'Connell's health. You'd been in two close games against decent teams and lost them both. And you looked in an October schedule with two road trips where you'd be an underdog and a home game, you would you figured Nebraska would be a win, and then a trip to Wisconsin, and you thought, man, two and two would be really good here. Now Purdue's three and oh and getting ready to head up to Wisconsin. Raise your hand if you had Purdue and Illinois tied atop the Big Ten West after seven weeks. I don't think many people did, and that's where we're at right now. Wisconsin picked up a really significant loss to Michigan State. I didn't see that coming at all. Michigan State's really struggled. It doesn't completely eliminate Wisconsin from the West race, but it knocks them down quite a bit. I think you're really, at this point, Purdue and Illinois are the two teams that look the most likely in the Big Ten West. Now, Purdue has a long ways to go still. Uh, They have a critical matchup on Saturday. Of course, we'll preview that later in the week, but they haven't beaten Wisconsin in the last 15 tries. They can, to win the Big Ten West, they probably need to go to Madison and get a win on Saturday. I think you should feel good about where Purdue is, though. As a whole, This has been a really good stretch of games, and I think it was good to see Purdue win in a different style. I cannot stress enough how impressive it was that Purdue got the ball back with about six minutes to go and never had to give the ball back to Nebraska. I think one thing to monitor is going to be injuries coming out of this. I know Charlie Jones left the field a few plays early. He's been pretty beat up if you've listened to what Jeff Brom says. Payne Durham's pretty beat up. That bye week after Wisconsin is going to be really big. But Purdue does enter this knowing they have that bye week coming. You can kind of just lay it all out on the line against Wisconsin on Saturday. We will be back that uh, midweek on Wednesday to preview that. Uh, and we'll have some final thoughts from this Nebraska game as well. I didn't think as a whole that it was a very good day for Purdue special teams. Jack Ansel had a situation where he could have pinned Nebraska back pretty good, and the punt just wasn't close. Sailed into the end zone and just wasn't all that close. Deion Burks had a kick return that got back to like the 11-yard line. That's not good. Just take it to the 25. Uh, 
uh, yeah, I mean, two kick returns for a total of 18 yards. Not ideal. Charlie Jones did have a nice punt return, though. Um, Nebraska had a couple of field uh, kickoff returns that got some decent yardage. So not a great day there, but it was a great day as a whole. A beautiful fall afternoon in West Lafayette. A great crowd at Ross-Aid Stadium, although the students certainly did leave pretty early. Um, not a ton of students there by the end, but hard to complain. When you're 5-2, and two, you're tied for the lead in the Big Ten West, and there is a critical game on Saturday in a place where Purdue hasn't won since 2003. Tweet over your questions to me at Boilers Beyond on Twitter. We will do some Q&A in the second half of that episode. So send over anything you'd like. We will get it answered on the show. And anything you want to know about the Badgers, it's going to be a big one, folks. This is this is a massive game for Purdue. This is a big game for the program. We will have a big episode to preview it all for you. But that's all I have for today, putting a wrap on Purdue's win over Nebraska. Thank you for spending your time with me. Give the show a follow on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tweet me over anything you want answered, and we will get it done. Looking forward to this midweek episode. Until then, take care.